you know, whenever we start commercializing and commodifying anything, whether it be like, you know, blackness or mental health or like anything that's like a pretty serious issue, inherently some ethical qualms are going to be injected into it. Welcome back to I'm the Villain. Today we're going to be talking about Bo Burnham and uh, his collected works, I suppose. <laughs> um, and we're gonna we're joined by Shrey. Uh, I think this is your third episode on the show. It's number four. Four, actually. four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really vying for like the Ken Jennings spot on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so I guess we could just be like you know start with Shrey. How come you wanted to talk about Bo Burnham? Uh, I think it's. So, like, Inside was a special that definitely had a large impact on me over the last year. Um, and I think, or I guess over the last six months, geez. Um, and I, <laughs> yeah. think, uh, I think that, you know, when DeAndre and I were talking about Bo Burnham, it became so much more than just his special, but, like, things like his creative process and, uh, you know, how he is as a comedian in difference to like other comedians of, of the age. So that was sort of the the motivating nugget of of wanting to talk a little bit about Bo Burnham. Yeah. 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 And I'll add on, I I feel like I was also pretty like deeply impacted by the special. I just I think it's a fucking masterpiece and I still think it's a masterpiece. So I'm excited. I, I think I'm surrounded mostly by people that also think it's a masterpiece, so I'm excited to dig into it with you, Isabel, because you are just not that big of a fan of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, and it's like, you know, spoiler alert, it's probably going to make, I mean, it's definitely going to make, like, my number one or number two spot of my albums of the year list, like, just because I have listened to it so, like, so much, and I think it's that good, you know? You actually listen to it on Spotify? Yeah. Okay. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I guess for for level setting purposes, um, if you don't know, if you've been, you know, not if you don't have Netflix or whatever, um, Bo Burnham, who is like an internet sing songy comedian, has been on like one of the OG YouTubers. He's been on YouTube for, or he was on YouTube like back in like the two thousand eight two thousand seven era. Um, he put out a comedy special, a new comedy special on Netflix. I think back in like April or May um and it's called inside and it's i think regardless of whether you like it or not it's undeniably pretty unique in that um it is filmed shot produced edited entirely by him from his like guest house in the midst of lockdown and the pandemic and um i think he takes like a little over a year to film it and you kind of follow him through his journey of creating the special whilst also like viewing the products, like the songs themselves that he wrote for the special. Um, yeah. And if you haven't fucking seen it, you should go, you should go watch it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you think it's a masterpiece? Yare? Um, I think it's a masterpiece because, um, many, multiple reasons. I think that it, it kind of tapped into these like feelings of like desperateness. What's the name? There's an adjective for desperation. Being desperate. Desperation. Desperation. There it is. The feelings of like 
desperation, but like also simultaneously trying to like smile and laugh your way through is something that's really terrible whilst like lockdown was happening and dealing with some of the like the solitude that comes with that. But I also think that it's a masterpiece because I think the special is a lot. It's it's way more than just a period piece to me. Like it's way more than just, um, you know, talking about what life was like during the pandemic. I think he, whether it's intentional or not, uses the pandemic as a really great vehicle for talking about things like mental health struggles or talking about how ridiculous our society is and that like how easily it can be brought down by a st- like a you know like a virus and um so i think that yeah like the pandemic is playing that just like playing that vehicle for this like these several underlying story like storytelling and it's also a, it gives you a deeper look into i think bo burnham himself as a comedian and as someone that you know like hasn't really publicly been struggling with mental health but has mental has like been joking about it for his entire career like it's been part of his specials um so you know i think it has every level i think it has that like timely periodness of the pandemic it has some of like the overarching um themes about our society re mental health re capitalism but it's also equally if not more so a very like personal story of how you know of this like this guy's fucking deteriorating mental state (laughs) you know and like and the way that it like so gradually chronicles you know this man like descending kind of into madness whilst also creating a ton of like catchy funny also like quality music i think it's just like I haven't seen anything like it before and it really really sticks with me you know like i know every word to every song on that album i think it's funny that you say that uh you know he uh is not publicly struggling with mental health because i feel like he's one of the most publicly struggling with mental health people like there is like on all these interviews where he like was talking about like you know having panic attacks on stage and stuff like that like i feel like Mm -hmm. that's what that is right yeah, I guess I, I when I said that I meant that, you know, I don't think he's hi- I don't think he's been hiding it, but I think he's been hiding behind his humor. And like mm-hmm. I think he's still doing it in the special, right? Like I think Bo has in the past said like you know, made jokes about during interviews about having having panic attacks on stage or whatever, but I think that this is a different look into it. Like it's very 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 personal, you know. He's not like it feels like he feels or it he feels or is incapable of putting up less of a wall between like the need to make you know to make people laugh and like also the need to hide that part of himself from people like it feels very raw in that way to me Hmm. yeah Trey what did you like why was it so impactful for you yeah I, I mean for many of the similar reasons that uh that DeAndre was explaining and I think I'll add on like from a point of like creative expression it was really amazing to go from you know hearing bo burnham's music to also seeing like the video production quality that he put into inside like i thought it was just a like a really well produced 
piece of art. Um, it's hard to call it like a comedy special. Like it's not really that. It's maybe closer to a documentary in some senses, um, yeah. or even even like a uh, you know just just like a live stream from that room. Um, but I, I yeah, I think that it you know the themes that are in inside to me were very relatable. Were very um, you know, identifiable in terms of things that I know other people in my life have experienced as well. And then you have this, you know, really brilliant Netflix special that packages that up into something that you can laugh and cry along with. Uh, so that that's really what you know, elevates inside to me. I mean, like DeAndre, it's going to be, it was, you know, the top, you know, four of the top five songs in my Spotify rap were uh, were, <laughs> were Bo Burnham songs, and Inside was the number one album. So, uh, I, I definitely have some biases around considering that to be up there. But that, that's mm-hmm. what I think about it. Yeah. What was your number yeah. one song? Like, which which song from the special you thought was the best one? Uh, the best one, I think, was yeah. probably All Eyes on Me. Um, hmm. That's that's my opinion. Um, I, it changes very regularly. I think comedy is up there as well. Um, but yeah, I think uh, in terms of the number of times that I've listened to it and the ones that I've learned how to play on guitar, like All Eyes on Me is, is definitely up there. Yeah. Mine have also evolved. Yeah. Mine at first was All Eyes on Me. That was my favorite. And then like it switched to like 30 yeah. and then that switched to like facetime my mom and now it's don't want to know which is just like a minute and a half interlude Mm -hmm. you know like i feel like that i feel like it has a little bit a little bit of something for every version of me (laughs) (laughs) um no i i will also echo i thought that it was like like visually i thought it was very visually stunning and that's why i was struggling as to whether or not i was like damn should i count this as like even should I even count this in in consideration for my top albums of the year because there's this visual component, but at the end of the day, I still do listen to it a fuck time without that visual component. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But I mean, I feel like when Isabel, when you and I spoke about it, um, yeah, you just like some of the other shit better. So I mean, there's, so there's a disconnect. I mean, it did it didn't feel as impactful for you. I really liked Welcome to the Internet. That I think that one was my favorite one. Um. Mm-hmm that I've like listened to most outside of the context of like watching the actual special. Um, well, I mean, one thing I do appreciate about Bo Burnham is that I think one thing that like I appreciate about his humor, like as a foil to other comedians is that like, it's so about him as opposed to like trying to other people for the sake of like getting people to laugh. Like, he, he he does that a, like he used to do that a lot more i think as like a baby comedian but like now yeah. i mean one of the things that he talks about in artist dead which is my favorite piece of his is like how much he like kind of idolizes george carlin and i think very similar to george carlin he has this like let's use comedy as a vehicle to like put a lens on the th- absurd things about society as opposed to like whatever other people resort to like accents are funny or whatever you know (laughs) yeah so i think that that to me in terms of like the goals of comedy i do think that that is pretty much like the highest order goal i think that comedy could pretty much aspire to you know yeah yeah i think i agree with that oh actually you know what my second favorite is also his jeff bezos one i do think that's a good (laughs) like there's two two parts which one bezos one or bezos two 
Oh, I don't remember, but uh, yeah, probably the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking casual fan. <laughs> um, do you think that Bo did a good job of that, or like continued that in his in Inside? Like the, the yeah, theme of with the exception commentary. of maybe the one about white women, which is kind of like jabbing at other people, like groups in society, but like. Yeah. For, for the most part, he was pretty much doing that, you know. Yeah, white women's Instagram is my least favorite. Song well, I think that I think project. that I, I've heard that kind of across the board from most people that I've talked to about it, and I think it is just like I don't, I don't, I think people appreciate the former type of humor much better than like just let's shit on people, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think that one worked a lot better in the context of like the like in the context of the special itself. Like, I think that it was cool that he made a lot of sets for the for the shoot and you know that the song is shot in like the same aspect ratio as your phone mm-hmm. and you know like three quarters of the way through the song when he when he like you know is embodying a white woman who's posting about her dead mom like that aspect ratio widens out to a regular aspect ratio as if to say like wow this is you know the only real moment of any of the shit that i've been talking about but still i think it's like yeah it's kind of it kind of feels like it almost feels out of place to me in context of the special yeah mm, yeah it is very much white moon's instagram is in many ways i saw it as like a, a tribute to like parents in in some senses uh yes it's very like jabby i like definitely agree with that um but i think that the whole point of having you know the you know two and a half minutes on either side of that one segment is to make the impact of the realization that even the people that you know he's making fun of on instagram are true true to form human beings with like a depth of emotion and um in sort of like tying that back to like the fakeness of social media there are these moments of authenticity that come through um so even in in that i also it was like one of my less favorite songs it's still like a lot to appreciate um from from sort of what i believe he was trying to do with that song and sort of the impact that that song has upon upon listening viewing <laughs> yeah 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 agreed so Isabel, what are what are some of your other kind of critiques of it? Because I know you have some other ones, right? I so I think that he does this. You know, so much of his humor is predicated on being like really self aware, right? About like how fucked up society is and how privileged he in particular is, right? And the thing that kind of always has bothered me about like how he presents that is like that. I forget what the name of the actual song is, but the one where he's like, should I give all my my money? No. You know what I'm talking about? What is that song? It's called Comedy. Yeah, that one. So it's like, like the thing that I feel like he captures, but in a way that I find is sort of like disappointing is this like privilege apathy or like sense of like making excuses, right? Because he's like really, the demographic that he's appealing to is the niche that is pretty much our demographic of like educated, like privileged people, right? Who like are woke and yet are also feeling guilty about the fact that they could be doing more and are not, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like what you're saying is like the point of the song though. I don't, know. I don't know that the song made the 
point in a way that like was, oh, like you should go self-reflect all of you privileged like white people, right? Because it it did mm -hmm. seem like it was sort of condoning that kind of like making excuses kind of behavior to me. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm like, maybe I'm viewing that song through a um like particularly favor favorable lens i mean i obviously am i think sure i don't know i mean i guess it's all about how you how you interpret like the tongue-in-cheekness and how you feel it comes across because i mean especially in that song there's that moment where like basically it's implied that god is speaking to him that he should heal the world through comedy mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and i i remember when we were watching it for the first time i was like wow he's really doing this like he's really going like putting a full bet on on uh on this like calling from god that he has and maybe it's just i didn't understand like the full um history of Bo at the time um but i i do get the impression that in terms of like the the setup for the rest of the special that's like one of the lighter songs right and yeah and it's uh it, it is much more i guess superficial than any of the other songs that i saw uh in in the special so maybe maybe it's not the best way to open into a comedy special where you're gonna have like so much emotional turmoil expressed um mm -hmm. but it's i think i think it was supposed to be tongue-in-cheek in in many ways yeah yeah, I think I value the um, <clears throat> like in terms of showing a progression of like where he feels where I think that song shows a good picture of where he felt the special was going to go. Mm. Like, I think he thought that it was going to be more of this like, like, you know, lightly satirical, pretty surface level commentary on, you know, like, I think what I would perceive to be like, you know, pretty well worn topics like white privilege and whatever um and i appreciate i think i appreciate it, that song as being an earmark for like how different it gets towards the end of the special hmm. um but yeah i get i get i get that like maybe you have to maybe you need to view that song with like you know already kind of in the headspace of like oh yeah you should reflect on your white privilege to understand that that's what it's trying to say. Mm -hmm. And if you're not bringing that lens to it, then like, you know, you can just like kind of like laugh it off as a funny thing. Mm -hmm. Because like, I guess it's also a question of to what degree, because he's like appealing to these activists, right? And I think that he, like part of the point of that song was like, oh, like am I, is what I'm doing in putting all of this stuff and articulating it in this platform itself activism? Or is he just making a fuck ton of money off of wokeness and put it in his pocket? You know, like right. that I feel it's like it's probably, probably the least charitable read of it. You know what I mean? And as like a, yeah. as like a, a very privileged white guy. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder what it's like to be like a really like a really like broy white guy that loves Bo Burnham. <laughs> you know? Like I wonder what that perspective is like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I um I want to know what it's like for someone who is maybe on the other end of the political spectrum than I think we would all describe ourselves to be and what they think about uh 
what they think about Bo Burnham's special. Um, because I think that like, <laughs> there has to be at least one person who thinks that it was a really great special and how they feel about like the parts where it's talking about, you know, like reflecting on privilege and, and you know, the like. Uh, I think that would be a really fascinating perspective, even more so than just bro-y white dude um, in, in the context <laughs> of what they think of the special. Um, I typed in, <laughs> I typed in Republican reaction to inside Bo Burnham to see if I can explain. Because <laughs> I do think there's some elements of it that are very like bipartisan of like, oh yeah, we're all upset that we're living in this internet age of like, you know, dystopian, the one where he was talking about like doing his reaction video to his reaction video to his reaction video like forever. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that feels pretty bipartisan. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I think a lot of what he covers is probably pretty bipartisan. Yeah, you know, like maybe, maybe not as many Republicans would want to rip on Jeff Bezos as much, but like, you know, I'm thinking specifically of the line where he's like, "Obama sent the immigrants to vaccinate your kids," mm-hmm. uh, and, <laughs> and like, they, they like that one. Like, yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy gets it. Uh, um, straight. In- interested in getting your take on like, um. I don't know, like, your opinions on how Bo went about expressing, like, mental health struggles through his, like, through his art. Yeah. You know, like, did you feel, it seems like you felt, like, a little seen by it. Yeah, absolutely. And I've talked to a couple of people who I know also struggle with, you know, serious mental illness who have similar expressions where it's, like, there's there's some pieces where like I think in in one song um, it's like uh, are you feeling what I'm feeling I haven't had a shower in the last nine days and I'm like wow yeah that's a that's a real expression of how mental illness can manifest without necessarily uh, you know being something that people talk about like mm-hmm. like the the loss of hygiene like as an example but you know small snippets and lines throughout the special but especially in that song I think it's called I think it's called just shit. Right, like I think that's the name of the song, um, where yeah. it's just an authentic representation of of what someone who is in that mental state would be wanting to convey, uh, without being like overtly negatively emotional about it like making it something that's like stigmatized yeah stigmatized absolutely um and it's 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 almost jovial right like it's a celebration of the fact that people feel this way and it's you're not alone in feeling that way about it um i think that uh you know in in all eyes on me in the the version where he talks about him you know stepping away from comedy for five years uh it was sort of like this idea sort of caught on to me about how, um, you know, when many people think about the pandemic, it's sort of like everyone's life was put on pause. Um, but in my in my personal lived experience, it was like finally there's an opportunity for me to like catch up with everybody else, right? Like if everyone's on pause, it means that I have the opportunity to sort of slow down and not be like pushing, pushing, pushing to be wherever you know the social bar is for what is you know a healthy lifestyle. Um, so those themes to me were the much more prevalent ones than, you know, of course, social commentary and of course, like, you know, welcome to the internet. It's amazing. Um, but I, I really latched on to the themes of mental illness because those are the ones that were so personally relevant to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's the kind of thing where it, cause I feel like he, he, there's elements in which he like kind of calls out like, 
that it's about mental illness, but I feel like it's also this more like kind of universalizing thing of like, especially I feel like during the pandemic, we have pretty much mainstreamed the idea that like no one is going to go through this and kind of be mentally healthy. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that that's just like, uh, when people use the phrases like like the new normal, like having shit mental health is just like a line item in that. You know? <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like there was um there was this uh, meme that I saw recently about someone at a doctor's office, and the doctor asked, "Have you been feeling anxious or depressed recently?" And the person was like, "Don't we all?" And the doctor was like, "No." No. <laughs> 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 um, but I mean, I, I do think that, you know, especially like existential dread and like this lack of control and all of the impact that those have on the human psyche. You're right. Those are, you know, universal tenets of, of sort of the pandemic experience that, that we all sort of went through. Um, and that really sort of captured on. Yeah. Yeah. But as like when I was watching the special, you know, I felt like I was like kind of gaining insight, like looking in to something that, you know, I personally wasn't experiencing, you know, like I like, I think that like I experienced probably whatever is considered to be like the baseline of, you know, mental strife, RE pandemic, you know, like it's like for me, it was just like, yeah, this sucks. And like, I'm getting a little stir crazy and like, and like, this is too much reflection time, but it did you know, as someone that I feel like I'm, I don't struggle with like any chronic mental illness issues, you know, it felt like I was getting a perspective, which I appreciated. You know, I feel like YouTube culture has put this like big premium on like quote unquote authenticity, right? And like, I wonder, Shrey in particular, what your take is on like, does any of that feel like he is sort of capitalizing on mental illness like as a perfor like performativity thing? You know what I mean? There was there was only one moment where it really came across to me as maybe being a bit more performative. And that was, um, if we can recall uh, in the special, in between the songs, he says something to the effect like, I'm not doing well, and then starts crying as the camera sort of zooms in past him into the mirror. Um, and the reason why that like stood out to me is because... I, it's sort of like this idea of like kayfabe, right? Like sort of suspending your disbelief for the the narrative that's in place. It was like, I want to believe that this was like authentically Bo Burnham crying on camera while while this was being recorded. Um, but it's also like in, immediately the, the criticism in the back of my mind was like, how many takes did that take? Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I and in, other than that, like specific camera scene and situation right like throughout the songs throughout the music throughout the 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 special i think that there's like a sense of realism to it um there's other places in the special that i can point to where it some seemed like you know maybe the this the the knob was being turned up a little bit to to really showcase what it's like like uh when he's sort of laying on a pillow in the living room talking into the mic and there's just like a bunch of stuff scattered around him uh it's like yes that's a real thing that happens uh but also maybe Maybe that was like you know strategically based paper towel right here yeah you know, like it looks very cinematic it for it. yeah exactly so and, and at the end of the day i think what i've settled on is i believe that it was an authentic representation of what he was experiencing at that time right right that, that I, I will subscribe to the kayfabe and i will go along with it because that makes it so much more powerful and impactful than just you know 
noise in the back of my head saying, ah, that was, that was staged. That was fake. That wasn't real. It's like, that is a, that reduces the impact of the overall, overall performance, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm willing to like, I feel willing to accept some of the, like some of the, uh, maybe the more dramatic, like performative moments, because like, at, you know, it is a performance, right? Like it's a, you know, like, like Trey was saying, certainly he did multiple takes of many of like many, if not all of the shots that we saw. That's just something that sure. I feel like kind of comes with the territory of like putting something out on Netflix that you want to feel that like you want to like look good, feel as polished. And yeah. And, and maybe Bill Burnham's going to listen to this podcast and chime in and be like, no, that was actually just one take that we did. And I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll eat one my take words. all the way through. <laughs> I'll, I'll eat my words, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll take that back. But um, right. If Bo Burnham listens to this podcast, he could literally be like, these guys are pieces of shit, and I would still, <laughs> I would still completely swoon. We should get know? him on. Yeah. <laughs> Bo. Come talk about mental Bo health. Sif, <laughs> go talk. <laughs> um, you know, whenever we start commercializing and commodifying anything, whether it be like, you know, blackness or mental health or like anything that's like a pretty serious issue inherently some ethical qualms are going to be injected into it mm-hmm. right like, well i feel like it's very like when i think of like youtube stars right i think of people like david dobrik who like anything anything even remotely like hap- you know, happens right and like their immediate impulse is like oh grab the camera like make sure i don't like <laughs> miss this moment because like this is like you know they're you can't you know the idea is that you can't just do it again right Mm -hmm. but like i feel like there was a mix of that in in inside because like there were ones like for example like welcome to the internet that seemed very obviously like it was not trying to be authentic it was just staged it was like rehearsed yeah he's playing extremely well Mm -hmm. right (laughs) yeah where he's playing a character but yeah i feel like it's the other the other pieces where he was like trying to frame it as like oh and like now we're gonna cut to like me in real life like talking into the microphone you know like my phone is like a real person like kind of in sort of right. open mic esque kind of a feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. My my biggest like, I really am gonna I'm gonna like 100 percent, you know, assume the kayfabe is when he is talking like as his you know as the time is turning to midnight to become his birthday. I'm like, I have to believe that he just killed this and that he this is actually the moment in which his birthday you know like it isn't like 1205 because he had to redo it like i have to, i i really wholeheartedly believe and i feel like i like need to like need to believe that that is what actually happened but why i don't know because it's like that's like that is like that's a, such a special moment to capture on film mm-hmm. like if it and if it actually happened you know mm-hmm. like i'm sure that you know maybe the morning of or the day before he's like or maybe even the month before he's like damn i'm not gonna have this done by my 30th birthday like i thought i was i'm gonna film that moment and like have a make it a, a part of the special and i think even that's fine mm-hmm. you know but something about like him speaking through that moment you know and just being like all right so now we're just gonna wait and stare at the clock until it becomes my birthday mm-hmm. and you know like that that felt very very powerful to me mm-hmm. and would be I think inherently less powerful if it wasn't actually, you know, becoming his birthday. Right. So. Yeah. In that way, like if I ever talked to Bo, I wouldn't ask him because I don't want to know. Yeah. But it does feel really like in terms of the things that we care, like, you know, we talk a lot on the show about being a millennial. Like that's a very millennial thing to happen. 
right? Yeah. Especially because like we, for whatever reason, like put some kind of stock in like turning 30 or like, you know, there's like the Forbes 30 under 30. It's like, oh, what have you accomplished by this time? You know? Yeah. Um. yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling, yeah, I'm feeling the heat now, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm about to be 29. Yeah. And I haven't done shit. Well, you could just go sit in a trailer and film yourself. Have you thought of that? <laughs> I honestly, you know, maybe will. <laughs> Start monetizing more of this fucking microline. Does anyone have any other topics they want to talk about? Anything else they want to they want to say? No, I mean, just like an admiration for his creative process, right? Like not just the execution of recording those songs, recording the video, publishing it on Netflix, but like all of the steps that had to go in before that, right? Like I mean, I'm sure I'm sure that he's had you know, five years to sit on this as, as you know, what's my next special going to be about, but, you know, coming up with ideas for each of those songs in and of itself is a process. And then to go through the idea of like actually recording something for it. Um, yeah. Just shout out both, you know, yeah. thanks for, yeah, thanks for I, creating I, that. it must. Yeah. yeah. I, I like, like the man's brain and works in a way that I can never fathom, you know? Yeah. It does seem like, you know, it, it kind of is reminiscent, like his whole like career, like seems very reminiscent of like a kind of a bygone type of artistry where like all you do is kind of sit around and like, you know, ruminate about the world and then you like produce something out of it. You know, like I feel like there was like sort of like that kind of thing going on with like the beat poets and like stuff like that and there was like a whole culture mm -hmm. around it but like i feel as if like the, the way we're sort of acclimated to think of careers now is like that feels so luxurious to be able to just like kind of sit around think a bunch and like do something on your own timeline and just like create something that's like totally a, like a self-expressive thing you know yeah. i would be curious as to how that came along you know like I'm sure that he had like a number of specials on contract with Netflix, you know, like he was like, you know, dude, his contract was like, you know, we need three, three specials out of you. So I wonder how, you know, was he planning on always releasing in 2021? And then like, you know, obviously, like clearly, you he know, couldn't plan for he, the pandemic to happen. <laughs> he couldn't have planned for the pandemic to happen. Right. Um, but you know was it like or was you know did he feel like inspired from like the abject misery and ridiculousness that was coming from what we were experiencing you know oh yeah that's a good question like maybe he just had to fulfill the contract and it was like totally not up to him at all mm. <laughs> and like he was feeling maybe he was feeling like completely like blocked writer wise and was like damn this is actually all great like now i'm now i'm very inspired because <laughs> i'm very sad that's one of those things where it's like you know the perverse element of doing that kind of art is like you kind of profit off of suffering. Yeah, but that's sick though. Especially because it's primarily your own suffering. Well, but the reason I think why it's so like widely viewed is because it's resonating with the suffering of everybody else. We're all suffering, right? Yeah. If everyone else wasn't yeah. suffering, it probably would not have gotten that much traction, as much traction as oh, it yeah. does now. No, it, you know what I mean? It definitely wouldn't have. 
Yeah. No, I did. I mean, just on that thread of like suffering being an input to creativity, I think DeAndre, when you and I first discussed the idea of like talking about Bo Burnham on the podcast, I spent like a bit of a rabbit hole just understanding sort of the creative process, like in general, like academically. And that specific question of like, if even though we see many, many examples of people who struggle in life in whatever way, ultimately having great avenues of, you know, creative expression. From the research, that is neither like a necessary nor sufficient condition for creativity, right? Like just like suffering as as a baseline. Uh, so I I think it's like, you know, it gives more fodder to the canon to be able to say you have more life experience to be able to draw on. But I would hesitate to make the jump that, it was because of Bo's suffering that he is able to produce such great creative work. I think that you see, I mean, a lot of like the like specials that are on Netflix from before, you know, even though they're on stage, they're still like incredibly thought thought out and planned out and like blocked well and, you know, like self-referential, like, you know, reacting to audio cues and things like that. So like he obviously had this, like has the production and like, planning ability but it just had never been applied like this before yeah i because i like when i think of like uh taylor swift for example and like she has like all these songs about these breakups and then when she's finally in like a healthy relationship she starts putting out more songs that are kind of about like characters and are not about like you know her own lived experience and people were like shitting on taylor swift like this isn't like authentic or real anymore like this isn't you know about your your lived experience and she's like well <laughs> you know like do I have to just keep like doing suffering good. to be able to like appease my audience? You know what I mean? Yeah, just like I'm kicking it. it. Like, like it's really perverse to have like, oh, now my life is going well. I guess that's killing my art career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's just like you got to kind of reconcile with it. Like, as a <laughs> as a listener, like I feel like I can think of three or four artists that when they got happy produced like the worst out, the worst art in their careers. But you know, it's not about me. <laughs> It's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy because once you get famous and have a ton of money, you're probably more likely to not be in abject suffering land, right? Yeah. And then your art's just exactly. gonna get worse. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good note to end on, I think. Shrey, how how does it feel being being the uh, the most featured guest on the pod? Uh, pretty great. Uh, I think again, like I said, Ken Jennings, icon in Jeopardy. Try to, <laughs> try to make make my amends on I'm the villain in a similar role. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want like when people think of I'm the villain, you want them to also think of Trey. <laughs> <laughs> I know y'all are like what, 150 some episodes now, right? Oh no, no, not yet. No. We're 111 or 10. 111, still le- less than five percent of episodes uh, with Trey. So plenty yeah, of fair enough. plenty of diverse voices in the in the audience there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything that you want to plug before we get out? Here? As this always, is all like one giant ad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, I would like to plug uh, the Wikimedia Foundation. Uh, if you use Wikipedia, if you 
like the stuff that they do, consider donating a dollar, two dollars, especially around the holiday times. They're really looking for ways to keep that information free. So support the Wikimedia Foundation if you have a few bucks to to give. I did look Bo Burnham up on Wikipedia right before this, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that story just always plugs like good causes. <laughs> you know, just like, just, yeah, this is a good cause. Um, cool. And as always, you can find us at I'm the Villain Pod. That's our Gmail. That's our Twitter. That's our Instagram. Otherwise, bye. <laughs>